First John chapter number four. And uh, we'll begin at verse 7, 1 John 4 and verse 7. That's way in the back, way in the back, just before the book of Revelation. There's three little books called 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. This is 1st John chapter 4 and verse number 7. It says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved of God so loved us, We ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. I want to speak today on the subject of God is love and the definer of love. God is love and the definer of love. He is the one who defines love. Not Hollywood. All right? Not the woke movement. Not the pride movements. Not the educators. God is love. And God defines what love is. In the Bible, by words definitions, and illustrations. God is love, and God is infinite. Uh, There is no completely understanding him. There's many times where the Lord will describe himself. Psalm 145, verse 3 says, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised His greatness is unsearchable. Uh, You can get started, but you're not going to come close. I'm not going to come close to seeing how great uh, God really is. His judgments are past finding out. Romans 11, verse number uh, 33. In Ephesians, chapter number 3, and And uh, verse number 8, it says, uh, Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I might preach unto the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. One psalmist said his understanding is infinite. Uh, So there's nobody that will ever know everything there is to know about God. Uh, We're just kind of 
we, 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 we learn the basics from the Bible, but, but uh, God is infinite and his ways are past finding out, his judgments are unsearchable. It's the same thing with love. Now I want to caution you today, uh, there is a movement that's trying to reduce love to three words. Love is love. You've seen it on signs, probably. This is that diversity movement uh, that's trying to reduce something that's infinite, love, to three words. Love is love, which is subject to anyone's interpretation and has been used by some people to justify some of the most uh, ungodly lifestyles you can imagine. It says here in 1 John chapter 2, If you'll turn back there, verse 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, now notice this, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, now notice this, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world passeth away. And the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The scripture here tells us not to be worldly. Don't love the world or the things of the world because their love is lust. It's the lust of the flesh. And uh, the lust thereof will pass away with the world. So we can't just define love in three words. I used to have an illustration here, and here it is. Some of you remember this. Remember that? <laughs> we spent a whole year one time, about 10 years ago, on charity. I preached the whole year on charity. And then about four years ago, I preached the whole year on love. And we said love has many facets. A facet is a cut in a diamond. Okay? And this is a piece of glass here. But it's got many, many facets. Uh, somebody cut this glass beautifully into many different facets. And the same thing with love. Love is not love. Now, that doesn't even make sense. That's like saying blue is blue. If I said, hey, would you paint my living room blue? Uh, what would your next question be? Uh, what tint? What hue? What, what, what do you mean blue? How many tints of blue can you make? Uh, I suppose that if you went from one spectrum of blue, which was almost like white with just one little drop, one tint in the whole gallon, you could argue that's blue. Then the next one put two drops in, and then the next one put three drops in. Every time you're making a different blue. It's all kind of all the way over here to deep, dark, navy blue and everything in between. Uh, So to say blue is blue... You would say, no, it's not. It's the same thing with love. Love is love. There's another one now out there that love has no labels. Those of you that have ever studied the Bible know that love has a ton of labels. A ton of different facets. And uh, you can study love all of your life. And never completely understand the subject. I would say if you wanted to have a very general idea of what the Bible is about, in two words, one of the main themes of the Bible is love. The other main theme is the Bible is holiness. 
Those are basically, if you're just getting into the Bible, that's basically what the Bible's about. Love and holiness. Those are the two main themes that go from the front cover to the back cover of the Bible. And so don't, don't fall for this dumbing down. Uh, we're just living in a day when they're trying to dumb everything down. Love is love. No, love is infinite. Um, at the end of the year when I preached on charity, I felt like a failure. I felt I didn't even come close to defining what charity was. And then one year I preached on love for a whole year, and at the end of the year I felt like a failure. Some author, and I don't, some of you remember the words, I don't remember the words that well, but some author, some poet once said that if you could you know, turn the ocean into ink, and if every man on earth were a scribe by trade and every uh, quill a pen uh, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. If you took the millions and millions and millions of people that Jesus has saved and they all wrote their love story, it would be different. Everyone would be different, that love story. The love story that you have with Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you're saved today, is different than the one I have. And the way he loved us to himself is different. And if we put those millions and millions of stories up there, or billions, I don't know, only God knows how many people have been saved down through the ages through the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. But that's what the songwriter was trying to say. That the, the sky, though like a scroll stretched from, would, would, would drain the ocean dry of the ink of all the love stories and all the definitions of love and all the illustrations of love just in the Bible. Uh, God is love. We can't let the devil, the devil likes to steal everything from us. And he wants to steal love from us. Say love is love. No, it's not. There's a lot of definitions of love. I want to say three things to, to, uh, this morning. Number, number one, Roman number number one is God is love. That's what I've been trying to say. God is love and God is infinite. And, and, and there you, you can begin. You can begin. I can begin. But none of us can come close to understanding the love of God and what love is. But God is love. Number two, God is the definer of love. Not Hollywood, all right, not some woke movement or anything else. God defines love for us. He's got the right to because he is love. God is love and he is the definer. He is the one that gives us the definition of love. Uh, I'd like you to, uh, by the way, before we go there, in 1 John 3 and verse 1, look at that, it's right on the next page. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. So notice that there's, there's, there's different manners of love. Behold what manner of love. So love is not love. There's, there's, there's different manners of love. Behold what manner, what type of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. And he begins, because of our, our little minds, he, he abbreviates it to 53 words in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 4. If you'd like to turn there, that's also in the New Testament. 
1 Corinthians chapter number 4. Now, if you can't find that, I have published these verses inside of your bulletin. Uh, where it says in your bulletin, what is love? There's 57-word definition, not a three-word definition, but God has a 57-word definition in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, but it doesn't end there. Charity, for instance, is mentioned in 12 different books in the New Testament, not just here. But God, just to give us maybe a start, just to, just, just to give us a basic start on what love is, he gives us this wonderful text here in 1 Corinthians 13. This is called the love chapter. Most of you know that. It defines love. It tells us different manners of love. And uh, he is the definer of love. And so he gives us 17, or 16 different definitions now. And you might be able to count them as I read them very quickly. Charity suffereth long, verse 4, and is kind. Charity envieth not itself, not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things, charity never faileth. And so there you have 16 definitions in words. And then there's other definitions in the Bible we understand by illustrations. By illustrations. Let's look at some of these here about the definition of love because it's, it's, it's so deep. And, and I, I just, I want to just encourage you today, this morning, I'm trying to encourage you, don't fall for what you see. Uh, on television, they've got commercials now, love has no labels, love is love. No, no, don't let them take away from you what the Bible says about love. Don't let them cheapen this, not this subject. Don't let them pervert what God has said. This is so important. It's so important, in fact, it says in verse number one, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity... I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Sounds like charity is pretty important. Sounds like everything we need to do, we need to do in love. And that, that's, that's hard for some of us, especially if we didn't really grow up that much with love. We have to learn it. But boy, when you, get, when you get to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're introduced to God, and God is love. And he begins to change us so that we all become more loving. And uh, that's the gist of the message today. So what is love? Number one, love is charity. Notice the word God chose here in verse 4, charity. What do you think of when you think of charity? When you think of charity, you think of the sacrificial giving of yourself or the sacrificial giving of items to an organization with absolutely no expectations of return. That's deep, isn't it? You give to charity. 
Or you, you give yourself to, to volunteer for some organization with absolutely no expectations of getting anything in return. That's love. That's deep. And that's the word he starts the definition with. Notice the second word, suffereth. Boy, we love that one, don't we? Love is suffering. Love is suffering. Does that sound like the cheap stuff we're hearing about nowadays? No, no, this is deep. This is the person who is willing to suffer. Suffer for the Lord, suffer for others, suffer for their generation. David served his generation by the will of God, but boy, he sure went through some stuff doing it. Joseph served his generation by the will of God, but he sure went through some stuff doing it. Job served his generation and every generation since then by the things he went through, but he sure suffered doing it. Love is suffering. Love is deep. Love is not some Hallmark movie where, you know, there's violins going off and snowflakes falling and, and uh, you know, in two or three days, she gets rid of the bad guy and embraces the guy with the flannel shirt and uh, then they live happily ever after or something. Much emotions and feelings. No, it's a lot deeper than that. Love suffereth. Man, I've seen men who've had wives who had physical ailments for decades and they, they, they suffered taking care of their dear wife. That's love. I've seen it. I've seen the vice versa too. Wives who had husbands who were injured or or contracted some kind of a disease or something like that, and their health declined and declined and declined, and they suffered. I've seen parents suffer with children. Uh, I went to a funeral yesterday. My neighbor, he's 54 when he died. He was sick all of his life, all of his life. I knew his dad. His dad used to come to church here. And uh, he had to suffer with a sick child all of his life. See, love suffers. Then the third word is long. Oh, that's fun. Love suffereth long. See, people say today, you know, well, as long as people love each other, our next question should be, what is love? And we should try to teach them, love suffereth long. In sickness or in health, poverty or in wealth, Good times, bad times, whatever, love suffereth long. And I'm not just talking about marriage today. You may have to suffer long with an infirmity. You may have to suffer long with an impossible neighbor. Um, who knows what, 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 what you may have to suffer a long time with. These are some of the definitions. Love is kind. Notice that there in verse 4. Love is kind. It's not harsh and and uh, mean and in your face. And we, we have a lot of that today uh, where if, if you're watching television or listening to radio or something, it's just an in-your-face world. That's not love. Love is kind. The Bible says that about God in Luke 6.35, he is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. Boy, those are two types of people I have no use for. I can't stand ingrates who are unthankful. 
but God is kind to them. You know, there's people out there today using the name of his son, Jesus Christ, in, in, in vain, cursing Christ all day long, and, Christ, and God is kind to them with the hopes that maybe someday it'll flash across their mind that there's a good God who cares about them, who's been kind to them, and will give them a chance to be saved. He's kind to the unthankful and the evil. Just think of the evil today, and that's probably all of us if we hadn't got saved. But just think of some of the depths of evil that people are involved in today, like never before in history, it seems. And God is kind to them. God's given them breath. God's feeding them well. God's giving them drink and luxuries and a bed and a pillow and more than Christ ever had when he was on earth. God is kind. Love is kind. Love is content. It says here in verse 4, charity envieth not. Love is content. Doesn't envy. It's satisfied with what one has. It's satisfied with what God has given. Satisfied with the way you look. Satisfied with what God has given you or what God has not given you. Charity envieth not. Love envieth not. There's no envy in love. I'm satisfied. Thank you, Lord. Love is content. Love is humble. Again, verse 4, it it vaunteth not itself. That word vaunteth not itself means it doesn't push itself forward. Love is not a life of self-promotion. I got to get ahead. It's all about me. No, that's not love. You'd be surprised how God can vindicate his own children and how promotion cometh neither from the east or the west or the south, but God lifteth up one. He won't forget you. You be humble and God exalts them in due time. You don't have to vaunt yourself. God will take care of it. Love is nothing about pushing yourself forward. Love is humble. Love is real. When it says it's not puffed up, some of you know this illustration, that means to take a deep breath, that word puffed up. Love is not puffed up. Okay, if I went like this, and I started walking around like this, <laughs> that's what that word means. Love is puffed up. I'm being fake. Love is not fake. Love is not acting. Love is being real. It's not puffed up. Then verse 5, it says, doth not behave itself unseemly. Now, like it or not, this means there is absolutely no perversion in love. See, I like how God chose the word charity here because you can't pervert the word charity. (laughs) You can pervert the word love, but you can't pervert the word charity. A lot of people are perverting the word love today. So God put charity in the Bible. Pretty wise. You can't pervert that word charity. And uh, the Bible says, Love doth not behave itself unseemly. That word unseemly is referring to perverted behavior. That's part of the definition of love. God is love, and God is the definer of love. 
And God says love does not behave itself unseemly. That is an area that there needs to be repentance of, even sometimes in the body of Christ. There needs to be holy conviction that there's certain things and certain behavior that we need to repent of and have nothing to do with. God changes our behavior. That's love. There's no way you can be involved in perverted behavior and say, that. well, that, that's love. Love is about others. Seeketh not her own. A love life is one that is constantly thinking about God and thinking about others. And then it's not easily provoked. It doesn't get angry easily. It's not easily irritated. It's not easily agitated. If you or I get easily agitated or irritated or provoked to anger, we need God's help in changing uh, so that he, he'll give us love. I'm glad he's not that way with us. Can you imagine if God was easily agitated with us and uh, easily irritated, easily angry? No, no. God, when he described himself in his own words, said he was slow to anger. Praise the Lord for that. Amen? We should get an amen there. God is slow to anger. And love is when we're becoming like God because God is love. Love is, uh, verse 5, not easily provoked. Look at this one here, verse 5. Thinketh no evil. Thinketh no evil. That phrase means that love keeps no record of wrongs. Has anybody ever wronged you? Is that a word? Has anybody ever wronged you? Well, if you've lived on this planet, they have. And it is an an opportunity for you to show love. Love thinketh no evil. It means it it keeps no record of wrongs. Look, when when God, when, when you get saved, God takes his pen. He erases all your sins, takes his pen, sets it down, never writes on your account again. Never keeps a record of your wrongs after you're saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, what he does do is takes up his pen and starts writing down your works and what you have done for him since that time, not your sins. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute, put to one's account, sin. He stops writing the instant you're saved. That's good news. Because it doesn't mean you stop sinning. It means he stops writing. And when you get saved, the Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. All. doesn't miss one. Not even the the worst ones you've committed. The worst ones I've committed. They're washed away. And he never brings them up again. Because he thinketh no evil. Our sins and iniquities will he remember no more. That's love. And that's love when we forgive others. That's love when, when say, yeah, this person wronged me, this person just took me for 10 grand or whatever, but I'm going to just forgive them and go on. Or whatever, whatever you've been through, you've been wronged. And God's been wronged. And the first thing Jesus said when they spiked him to a tree was, Father, forgive them. First thing he said. For they, they don't know what they're doing. And sin is insanity. When we sin, we don't know what we're doing. We're stupid. 
Sin bringeth forth death, yet we keep staying involved in it. And Jesus was crucified, and the very first thought he had was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then a few minutes later, he forgives the guy next to him, who was just cursing him out, casting the same in his teeth, blaspheming him, but he had a change of heart. And the thief on the next cross next to him, whether it was the right or left, I don't know which one it was, there was two. But he has a change of heart while he's hanging there dying. And he looks at Jesus and he says, he's dying for me. Remember me when you come in your kingdom. Forgive me. I deserve this. You don't. And Jesus said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus forgave him. A guy that just cursed him. Love thinketh no evil. Love's deep, isn't it? That's why I get a little annoyed when I see these signs, love is love. And I know what agenda they're trying to push with that sign. You know the Bible, you say love is not just love. Love is a lot of things. A lot of things. And I'll go home this afternoon and I'll say this. I should have said 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 this. Some of you are going to say, why didn't you say this? Why didn't you say this? Why didn't you say this? Why? Because it's so deep. The subject. It's so deep, love. Let's, let's look at an illustration. Turn back to the book of Numbers. Numbers. You know the books of the Bible by now, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. That's why we learn the books, so we can find them, turn to them. Numbers, chapter number 23. I was just reading this just about a, a couple weeks ago. And I saw something, I I said, God, in the Bible, God shows us love by definitions. We just went through some, I I quit, I just quit halfway through that text, because I want to get on a couple other things and close here. But, uh, so I didn't just get through the whole text we were just in. But those are definitions. God also shows us what love is by illustrations. Here's one, and uh, it is just about God. And an illustration of God, Numbers 23 and verse 21. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of the king is among them. Notice the first half of that verse. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. Here's another one. Love is blind. Have you ever heard that before? Let me, let me ask you something. Was there iniquity in Jacob? Absolutely. Was there perverseness in Israel? Did God see it? He hath not seen iniquity in Jacob. Neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. Love is blind. I'll say this now. My wife's in the nursery. She can't hear me. My wife's perfect. My wife is perfect. If you tried to tell me some fault she has, I would not know who you're talking about. I had a man tell me this week when I was talking to him how his wife is perfect. 
Amen. Because love is blind. Love is blind. It's a wonderful way to live than to be a fault finder and a nitpicker and gossip about people and slander about people and everything. It would be nice if we said, my church is perfect. Wouldn't that be great? It's far from it, but wouldn't it be nice if that was our attitude? I love my church. I love it. Perfect. I remember one football coach, he died, but at his eulogy, the assistant football coach was talking about him. And uh, the assistant football coach was reminiscing at his funeral about a time that he walked into his office and the football coach was, was there like this with a smile on his face and he had his feet up on the desk. And he, just, he, just, he was just glowing. He was just glowing. The assistant coach walked in and said, you're thinking about the victory last week? And the demeanor of the football coach countenance just changed. He looked at him, no. He said, I'm thinking about my wife. And that assistant coach said he never forgot that. It was the most important thing that coach ever taught him. He wasn't thinking about the victory. He was thinking about his wife. That's love. That's love. Love builds up others. The first time charity is ever mentioned, it says charity edifieth. 1 Corinthians 8.1. Love builds up people. Doesn't tear people down. Builds them up. Love builds up people. Love is obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Love is duty. Luke 17, verse number 10. Love is duty, yeah. People say, well, you shouldn't do things out of duty. Why not? That's love. Don't tell me some guy... Gets up at 5 in the morning, 6 in the morning, every day of his life for 40 years and goes out to the factory and works. Do not tell me he does not love his family because of his duty. Watch out what people try to say to you. Sometimes people say, well, we shouldn't do things out of duty. Watch out for that. Some of that stuff sounds right, but it's wrong. Don't tell me some wife doesn't get up at four in the morning and feeds her baby and, and, and does endless dishes, endless diapers. We used to use cloth diapers. Imagine that. Um, some, of you, some of you are laughing. You're the old timers. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, homeschools are kids. You know, my wife, I, saw, I watched her do that for 16 years. And, uh, you know, if she didn't cook for me, I'd be dead by now. I don't know how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I'm, I'm, I'm helpless. Uh, does my laundry, everything. Been my lover, my friend all these years. Do not tell me. Her doing her duty is not love. Don't tell me some policeman out there getting cursed at and sworn at every day. Don't tell me he doesn't love our society. You can't, don't tell me all these guys and girls in the military, the Marines, the Air Force, the Marine, uh, Navy, the, the uh, uh, Army, the Coast Guard. Man, they're, they're out there in a, about over 150 countries all by themselves, missing all the holidays, missing their families, missing their wives, missing their children. Don't tell me they don't love their country. Love is duty. 
Love is duty. He loves deep. But I got a third point, and I got to go quickly here, and I didn't get through all these. Yeah, didn't even get close. But turn to Ephesians 5 in closing. Ephesians 5. Now here's where the sermon gets practical, okay? This is where it gets practical, right here. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. It's in your bulletin if you need it. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Walk in love. It says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savor. Can you imagine that? Jesus gave himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice. That's love. But notice three words there. Be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love. So, that's point three. Number one, God is love. Number two, God is the definer of love. I didn't even come close to scratching the surface of all the facets of love in the Bible. Didn't come close. But what do you do now with these facets, these manners of love that we have covered? What do you do with them? You walk in them. So you go back to number one, love is charity. Hmm, How do I walk in charity? I give myself to others with no expectation of anything in return. No hidden agenda. If I get anything back, that's great. If I don't, I did the right thing. I gave myself to others. Number two, love suffers. I'm going, to suffer. I'm going to put up with people. I've seen people quit churches all my life. We said, I don't have to put up with that. Yes, you do. The Bible says we need to forbear one another in love. What's that mean? Put up with one another. You may have to suffer in your marriage. You never asked for it. You were both healthy when you got married. Someone got sick. You gotta suffer. You walk in love. The Bible says I need to love is suffering. We're going through suffering. I'm gonna go through this. How long? A long time, number three. A long time. Love is kind. You say, but I'm not a kind person. I'm a fighter. I grew up in South Buffalo. Did I just offend anyone? I hope not. But uh, some, some people do just grow up in families that just fought and fought and fought, and you just, that, that was your existence, fighting, and then all of a sudden you get saved, and God says, love is kind. And God's kind to the unthankful and the evil, and God was kind to you before you got saved. And God was kind to me. He should have killed me. He'd have been right. He'd have been just to take me out. But he was kind to me. And so someone's not kind to me, and I got to respond in love, walk in love. I got to be kind back to them. You see how this works? We could go on and on. Love is content. Love is content. Doesn't have a midlife crisis. Love is content. Thank you, Lord, for my mate. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for my parents. 
Love is content. Love is humble. I'm going to stop pushing myself forward. I'm just going to back off, let God promote me. And if he doesn't, I'll just be a servant in the background. Servant comes from the word the galleys. Remember those old ships before Christ? They used to have the galleys and the guys were down there with the oars. And all the rich people were up on top and all the nobility was up on top and the guys were down in the oars. That's where we got the English word servants from. Nobody knew their names. If I can just be a servant, I'm not going to vaunt myself. I think you get the point. You've got you to find out definitions of love from the Bible. John 13.1, it says about Jesus, Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them to the end. That's love. And then you've got to say, I've got to walk in that love. I've got to love people to the end. So you take God is love. God defines love as he defines love's love to you through your personal Bible study. Shows you definitions of love or illustrations of love. Remember Joseph for his brothers? He should have crushed them. But he said, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of your children and your grandchildren. After they did him dirt. That's love. Illustrations of love. Look for illustrations of love, and then we got to walk in them. Can't just get head knowledge, but we got to say, Boy, I got to start doing that. Walk in love. Shall we pray? Our Father in heaven, we ask you for your help. Lord, we, 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 just, we just cannot, we, we, on this issue, we cannot swallow what the world is trying to tell us that love is love. Love is so deep that I have taken maybe one drop of a bucket and shared it with this congregation today. Lord, please help us, O God, because you said that they will know us by our love. And we want to be a good testimony as a church. And every individual needs to walk in love. Because you said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples indeed if you have love one to another. So change us all. Today we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, one of them I didn't get to is love is a fruit of the Spirit. All right? There's so many definitions. Love is a fruit of the Spirit. Don't try this in your flesh, okay? Don't try this in your flesh and just say, hey, I'm going to try harder. Pastor said I need to be kind, so I'm going to try harder. No, no. No, no, you're going to fail. I'm going to fail. What you do is say, Holy Spirit, help me. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Holy Spirit, please help me to be a better lover towards my spouse, my children, my parents, towards the world, towards the lost. Let's turn in our hymn books to page 317. What a friend we have in Jesus who offered himself as a sacrifice for us because he loves you. He loves you. When you find 317, if you'll stand, we'll sing. You need to come to this old-fashioned altar and pray, God, help me. You come and pray. Just gave us another illustration the bible says a friend loveth at all times there's another definition of love friendship 
friendship where we love at all times. Man, we've got to learn these things. With God's help, become like that. Let's have our heads bowed as the eyes, our eyes closed as the piano plays. Friend, do you know God loves you? Do you really know that? Do you, do you understand that He gave His only begotten Son the best, the best God could give He gave for you? He gave Him for me. His own Son. i got a Son. He's here today. I wouldn't I, I, don't, I don't have it in me to give my son for anybody. But Jesus gave his son for you. Let him come. Be abused. And crucified. Die on a cross for our sins. Because you have to pay the penalty for sin or he paid it for you. Your choice. But if you'll trust Christ as your Savior today, His blood will cleanse you from all sins. If you don't, then you pay for your own sins for all of eternity in hell and a lake of fire. Your choice. I made mine when I was 12. I said, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me. Have mercy on me. Forgive me. Will you call on the Lord today in repentance and faith? Repentance of sin and repentance from dead works. No no good works we do can save us. But in faith, believe on Jesus Christ. Not in yourself, but on Him. That's the need of your soul today. And right where you're standing from your heart. Not out loud, but pray and say, Dear Heavenly Father, I ask your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to have mercy on my soul, to forgive me of my sins, to come into my heart and save me today. Lord Jesus, I believe in you with all my heart. And I thank you for dying on the cross for me. rising from the grave for shedding your blood to pay for my redemption to make atonement for my soul please give me the gift of eternal life save me I pray as our heads are bowed eyes are closed maybe that's the cry of your heart today you're here and you've asked the Lord Jesus to be your Savior just now. You've made the most wonderful decision you'll ever make in your life. No one else is looking around but me, but could you just raise your hand and say, God knows my heart. Today I've asked the Lord Jesus Christ to be my Savior. Would you raise your hand? God bless you. And you, amen anyone else would you raise your hand up and take it down I'm not going to call you out yes God bless you too amen and you sir God bless you You take your hands down anyone else Father help us help these that have raised their hands only you know their hearts but Lord we're so grateful for that decision those decisions and some of us remember the day we were saved God bless their day of salvation Lord, help us as believers in Christ to study this subject the rest of our lives, to look for love and definitions 
or in illustrations in the Bible and then to walk in the love that you have shown us. It's too hard for us, Lord. So give us the help and the power of your Holy Spirit. And this we pray in Jesus' name, amen.